0: Hi, good, morning. good morning, man. I am excited. <laughs> I'm encouraged, and uh, praise God. Um, missed y'all last week. Uh, had a great time at Hope Church in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, we were there uh, Sunday for services, and then thurs- Wednesday and Thursday, there was a pastors' conference with pastors from all over the greater Nairobi area, and um, had a great time, and uh, just saw God move. And uh, I, was, I was encouraged and blessed, but I'm glad to be back. I got back Friday night, um, and um, so I'm a little bit jet-lagged still, but, but I'm, I'm ready to go today. So, um, well, we are continuing our re-series. We've been talking about revival. Um, we're concluding our 21 days of prayer today. And then uh, tonight at 530, is that the right time? I think so, thank you, Josh. Tonight at 5.30, uh, we'll gather right here in this room uh, for a time of prayer and worship together. We'll be gathering with Restoration Church, Pastor Arthur and Restoration Church from Sanford. Pastor Carlos and the Spanish ministry will also be joining us for that service. And uh, we'll pray together, we'll worship together and uh, wrap up our 21 days of prayer. But we pray that God would continue uh, to, to give us a heart that is dedicated to prayer, that this wouldn't just be a 21-day thing, um, but that that would be a kickstart of of revival and new things that God wants to do in the life of our church. So we've been praying in this 21 days. We kind of broke it up over the three weeks into three different focuses. I think this TV might be talking to me. (laughs) Is there a... I hear my... So somebody's going to come do something... uh, is there a remote control? Check one, two. Yep, it's definitely the TV. Hold on. I don't know. If there's a remote, if somebody's got a remote, come turn that thing down. It's, it's real weird. Uh, where was I? 21 days of prayer, Revival. Um, In our series, uh, RE, and we've been talking about revival and restoration and and all that God does, uh, we we use the definition of revival that came from a pastor named J.I. Packer. And here's the definition that we've been using. It says this, Revival is the visitation of God, which brings to life Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness... Thence springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of heart and repentance, praise, and love with an evangelistic outflow. I'm going to read it one more time. Revival is the visitation of God, which brings to life Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness. Thence springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of heart and repentance, praise, and love with an evangelistic outflow, and we talked about this and kind of broke this down uh, in our first week, um, talking about revival, and and then in the second week we talked about some hindrances to revival, these seasons in our life where where, um, where we kind of hit a crisis of faith and and we begin to despair and wonder if God is really moving or not, and it's in those seasons that we that we press through and that God moves. Today, I, I want to wrap up our time together and just use a, a simple phrase that comes from Mark chapter 6, a simple phrase about prayer. And I, my, my heart and my desire today is that God would, um, would capture our hearts for prayer, would capture our hearts in a new way to depend on Him. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, not chapter 6, is what I meant to say, Mark chapter 9. So let me read this passage and then I'll pray. Um, This passage takes place right after the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus goes to the top of a mountain, he brings along some of his disciples, and in that moment God reveals the glory of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh. And Elijah appears on one side of Jesus, and Moses appears on the other side, and Peter is up there, and he says, hey, let's make a couple of, uh, let's make some shrines to to you, Jesus, and Moses, and Elijah, and then God causes Moses and Elijah to disappear, and he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And he makes the point that it's it's about Jesus, it's all about Jesus, that Jesus, that God's word, scripture from Genesis to Revelation, front to back, all points to Jesus Christ, the son of the most high God. And, and in that moment, uh, Peter gets a new glimpse of who Jesus really is. And they come down from the mountain and there's some commotion going on. And that's where we're gonna pick up in Mark chapter nine, starting in verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them And scribes, these are religious leaders, disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, that is Jesus, they were amazed and ran to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. I want to jump down to verse, um, to verse 28. It says, after he had gone into the house with his disciples, they asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive out that spirit? And Jesus told them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. That's the phrase I want to look at today. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer. I want us to look at that, but let me pray before we do this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. God, we thank you that you are a God who saves and who redeems and who restores, who revives, who gives new life and new hope. And God, I pray that you would revive in us a spirit of prayer, Lord, that we would know that without you, we can do nothing. Lord, that we would be totally and wholly dependent on you. Lord, speak through your word today. Encourage those who need to be encouraged. Challenge those who need to be challenged. Lord, make us more like you. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, so this story, Jesus and his disciples, um, he, he has commissioned them and uh, Jesus has sent out his disciples. First he sent out the 12 disciples, the apostles. And, and he gave them a mission. He said, go two by two and I want you to, to preach the gospel. I want you to preach repentance all around. And then I want you to come back and report to me what you had done. And in that season where they were preaching, God Jesus Christ gave them power to do miraculous things. He even gave them power to cast out evil spirits from people. Then a little bit later, Jesus commissions 72 followers. He sends them out and he tells them to preach the gospel, go into towns and villages, preach, cast out demons, and they do. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it tells us that the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. that that God had sent them out, they they were able to do the miraculous through the power of God that Jesus gave them, even to cast out demons, spiritual forces, spiritual oppression. But we get to this point in the story, and Jesus is up on the mountain with a few of the disciples and and a few are left down on the ground. And this dad comes to them with a son who has a, a spirit an evil spirit that's oppressing him. Uh, He's he's possessed by this demonic spirit and it's causing physical reactions in his life. And he says, I'm looking for Jesus to heal my son. And the disciples go, oh, we know how to do that. Jesus gave us the power. We already did it before. And, and, And so let us give it a shot, but they can't do it. It doesn't work. They've done it before, but for some reason, it's not working this time. And when Jesus gets back down from the mountain, there's commotion going on and there's these Jewish religious leaders called the scribes and and they're arguing with the disciples and and the disciples are confused because they they thought they had passed this part of the class and they had it figured out. And we'll read the rest of the story in a minute, but Jesus speaks to the dad and speaks to the son and Jesus delivers the son from this spiritual oppression, this demonization. And later the disciples say, Jesus, how come we couldn't do that? We did it before, how come we couldn't do it this time? And Jesus says to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. Some versions add fasting, prayer and fasting. But Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he tells them this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. And this morning, I I want us to to see this phrase and I want us to recognize that there are things in our lives, things that maybe even we think we've got under control, things that maybe we've done before, things that, that we think shouldn't be that big a deal and Jesus is telling us this morning, nothing but prayer, nothing but prayer, nothing but prayer. You see, this subtle thing happens in our lives as followers of Jesus, as believers. Over the course of time, we, we often come to depend on our own experience. We come to depend on our own wisdom. We come to depend on our own strength and our own power. And that's what the disciples have done in this moment. And Jesus gives them a lesson that day. He says, guys, let's go back. Let's go back to the basics. Let's go back and be reminded that you can't do anything on your own. You see, it's through power that we access, it's through prayer, rather, that we access the power of God. It's through prayer that we access the power of God, the the spirit of God in our lives. Prayer, we've talked about this before. Prayer says, Lord, I am needy, but you are worthy. I need you. The good news is you've got everything I need. But it's in prayer that we come to him and we submit and we surrender and we recognize our need. And when we recognize our need, he pours in to meet that need. And in this moment, the disciples are confused, and Jesus says, guys, we got to go back to the basics. I, I was talking about this um, this past week in Nairobi at the pastor's conference. We, we just talked about going back uh, to the basics a little bit. And, and a lot of times in our life, um, the, the best way to move forward is to go backwards. Has anybody ever, anybody prone to getting lost in here? I am. I'm one of those people. Um... My whole life I, I just kind of start going and I've got a pretty good idea of where I'm going and 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 then I don't. But I don't stop. I don't ask for directions. I don't turn around. If you ask my wife, she has numerous stories that she could tell you. Uh, when I was a college student, this was well before GPS and smartphones. you know, I had to go to AAA and get them to print me out a trip tick, you know. They gave me the maps and, and um, I don't know how anybody ever found anything. But uh, so we're driving on this trip, it's like a 20-hour trip and there were about four cars in our, in our caravan and I was the leader of the pack. And I drove us around all kinds of places. Somewhere to get to Missouri, you got to cross over the Mississippi River or the Missouri River and I en- ended up in some little town and we just drove around and around in circles. And, uh, you know, you used to have to go to the gas station and ask the people at the gas station, how do I get here? Um, lots of those in my life. When I was, I, I think I've told you guys this story before, when I was about 15, I went on a missions trip to Albania. Albania is, is near Greece, it's in the Balkan Peninsula. It was a former communist country, and, and uh, it was liberated from communism in about 94, or 92. And about 94, I went on this missions trip there. Um, it was a basketball team, and, and I was on the team, kind of. Um, I was on the bench with the team. So, which, you know, I was still on the team. So if they won, then I won. It was great. Um, but they were all from the same place. They were from this school in Ohio, and I was the kid from Florida that tagged along. My dad somehow got me on this trip. Uh, and uh, in 94, it was the World Cup. It was the year that the United States hosted the World Cup. We had some games here in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl. And one night the U.S. team was playing the Italy team. And the U.S. had no chance of winning, but we were going to go and watch the the soccer game. But all the other basketball players left me at the house where we were staying. I'm sure they, I don't know how they forgot me, but somehow they did. But I thought, no problem. I know where, I know how to get to the town square. We've been walking that little path every day, so I will just walk. But it was nighttime, uh, and nighttime is different than daytime. It's dark, things look different. And I was going to watch this soccer game and it was USA versus Italy, so I had my little USA T-shirt on, had a little American flag to go watch the U.S. team play. in Albania, former communist country, and I'm walking and next thing you know, I don't know where I'm at. But that's okay, because if I just keep going, eventually I'll find the right way. And so I just kept going, and I found myself kind of at a dead end. It was in in a lot of former communist countries. There were these big, you know, concrete apartment blocks, and I found myself kind of at this dead end. It was kind of like, it felt like a James Bond movie or something, you know. And there are all these people sitting around outside uh, this apartment building, and and from my perspective as a 15-year-old with my little American flag, which I had now put in my pocket and I was kind of walking with my arms crossed. Thought these people want to hurt me. And uh, so I was pretty nervous and all of a sudden out of nowhere this little tiny dog comes running out and barking at me and I jumped out of my skin, you know, it was was like the moment. And then all the people who I thought wanted to hurt me just wanted to laugh at me and so they are laughing at me. And I turn around and I go back and go back and back. And finally, I found a landmark that I recognized and I was able to get on the right path and get to where I was going. But a lot of times in our lives, we need to go backwards to find out how we're gonna move forwards. And the disciples were in a season like that in their life. They had experienced God move. They had experienced the power of Christ in their lives. They had experienced the power of God of God in their lives and God had used them to do extraordinary things, but somehow they had gotten off course and now they face the situation which they are powerless to do anything about. And they asked Jesus, why couldn't we handle this? And Jesus said, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer. And in our lives, in our spiritual life, many times we can be going along and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where we go, huh, how did I end up here? This, I I feel powerless. I don't feel as close to God as I was before. I've lost my way a little bit. And in those seasons, you don't just keep pressing forward. You don't fake it till you make it. That works in some seasons and areas of life. But in our spiritual life, you don't fake it till you make it. You got to go back and you got to find the source of power in your life. And Jesus tells the disciples, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer. You got to get back to prayer, guys. You got to get back to the basics. You got to get back to dependence on God. You see, even Jesus modeled prayer in his life. The disciples would always find Jesus off somewhere praying and they would come to him and say, Jesus, we got stuff to do, man. There's people that want to see you. They, that we need to, you, you need to like multiply fish and loaves and feed people and you need to heal people. And, and Jesus said, hey, not right now. I got to talk to the Father. Because I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. And I don't go anywhere the Father doesn't tell me to go. And I don't say anything the Father doesn't tell me to say. And right now, I need to spend time with the Father. So scripture tells us that early in the morning, Jesus would go and pray. And late in the evening, Jesus would go and pray. He would tell his disciples, hey, you guys get on the boat. You go to the other side of the lake. I'm gonna spend some time with the Father. Jesus modeled this life of prayer. I read a quote by a pastor named Keeney Dickinson. It says this, we pray in the context of ministry but Jesus ministered in the context of prayer. Okay, let me say that again. We pray in the context of ministry, but Jesus ministered in the context of prayer. So let me make that maybe a little bit more applicable for our lives. We pray in the context of our lives, but Jesus lived his life in the context of prayer. Prayer is not a supplement to our lives. Prayer should be the substance of our lives. Jesus didn't pray in the context of ministry. He ministered in the context of prayer. He lived in the context of prayer. It wasn't a supplement for him. It was the substance of his life. And if it was the substance of Jesus, the son of God, then how much more do we need prayer, right? This kind comes out by nothing but prayer. For most most of us, prayer is, is therapeutic, but it's not transformational. Prayer is therapeutic. We pray to get us through a hard time. We pray to get us through a hard day. But it's not transformational. Prayer should be more than just therapy. Prayer should transform us. Prayer should change us. Because it's in prayer that we say, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. It's in prayer that we declare our need for God. Uh, Tim Keller is a pastor, was a pastor in New York City. He, he stepped down from the church he led there. Um, he wrote a book called Prayer. Uh, pastor Tim Keller went through, he was a cancer survivor and now the cancer that he had is, has come back and, and he's, you know, uh, his cancer is terminal and he's kind of living out his days. Um, but he, he talked about early on when he was first diagnosed with cancer that there was a treatment plan and that treatment plan called for uh, uh, certain treatments and then, and then at home he had to take pills and he said, my wife made sure that I took the pills I had to take every day because that was the treatment plan and he said, and I didn't miss it because it was my understanding that if I was going to be healed, that the treatment was necessary and so I I took the treatment that was necessary and he said that he and his wife had a conversation one day about it and said if this is true for our health you know how much more true is it for our spiritual life and we hear that prayer is important and we say that prayer is important and we know that prayer is important but do we depend on prayer every day for our life? Do we say, if I don't take the treatment, <laughs> if, 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 I don't, if I don't take in power from God every day through prayer, I'm not gonna survive. Even for me to say that out loud, maybe you think that's a little extreme, Dustin. If, if I don't pray, I'm not gonna survive. I don't pray and I'm surviving just fine. We're like the disciples. They were surviving, they had even had some success, but they hit a season in their life where yesterday's experience wasn't good enough anymore. They needed a new encounter with the Lord every day through prayer. That's what revival is. It's what revival is. It's, it's a fresh outpouring of the power of God in our lives and that only comes through prayer. We must depend on God for prayer. Jesus also says to them, he says, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer. In other words, they, they were facing something that was different. Jesus was helping them to kind of diagnose the problem. Uh, scripture talks about uh, that, that there, there are spiritual realities, there are spiritual forces in the world and And there are kind of levels of spiritual forces in the world. And I don't understand it all. This is not a class on, you know, demonology and and angelology. Uh, But suffice it to say that there are spiritual forces in the world. And and the disciples faced something that they had never faced before. And Jesus said, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer. In our lives, we need to recognize that there are things that we face. And we need to recognize what's going on. You know, if you came along and found somebody passed out on the ground, if you want to help that person, you need to find out what's going on. They might just be asleep and shaking them on the shoulder and saying, hey, wake up is enough. But they might have had a heart attack and they're passed out because of that and that requires a different treatment. Or they might be drunk and they're sleeping one off and that requires a different treatment. You need to figure out what's going on. And in our own lives, when we face these moments of kind of powerlessness, we need to find out what's going on in our own lives, we need to ask God to help us diagnose the problem, to find out what it is that we're relying on, how it is that we've begun to rely on our own strength, this kind, and in our churches, it's true as well. We look at the world around us and we see lots of need and we see lots of darkness and we see hopelessness and we, and we know that we need to do something. And so we try all kinds of things. As churches we, we try to focus on morality and we try to focus on political solutions. We say, well, if, if we just have a good marketing campaign, then we'll get people to come to church or uh, if we just have more relevant teaching, then we'll get people to come. If we focus on apologetics and we, and we give a, a kind of scientific approach to faith, then, then people will begin to believe. We come up with all kinds of things and, and those things are not necessarily bad things. But when we come to rely on those things, then we're missing it. Dan read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 just a few minutes ago where Paul says, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. That doesn't sound like a winning combination. (laughs) Here's our approach. Weakness, fear and trembling, go. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith not may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our prayer every time we gather as a church is that we would experience the power and the presence of God. Because it's only through the power and presence of God that we're transformed and changed. And we can do a lot of stuff. We can come up with a plan, we can come up with a strategy We can try to solve all kinds of problems with all kinds of solutions. But I'm reminded of Jesus' words today that this comes out by nothing but prayer. And church, I'm not satisfied with human solutions and human power. God has promised spiritual power to us. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We have access to the spirit of God in our lives. God is a trinity. So the trinity is this, God the Father, God the Son, that is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And scripture is clear that God the Holy Spirit lives in us. Do you know, like God, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, not a mystical force, the person of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer in Christ, he lives in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and at work within us. And if that's true, we should not be powerless. We should not look at the world and go, oh, woe is me, what are we going to do? Well, it's not going to be solved through human solutions. It's not going to be solved by ingenuity and politics and morality and marketing and apologetics and the scientific approach. It will only be solved by the power of God. And the power of God only comes through prayer because in prayer we say, God, I am needy, you are worthy. God, I can't do anything, but through you all things are possible. We have to have a desperation to see God move. So early in, when I became the pastor here at Orlando Baptist Church, early in my ministry in the first six months here, there was a young woman who came to church and um, we met with her after the service, Brooke and I, and, and she expressed to us that she had been involved in some kind of dark spiritual things and and was... Felt like she had some kind of spiritual oppression going on in her life, and so Brooke and I, Brooke met with her on a Tuesday, and then Brooke and I would meet with her. And we kind of walked through the season, asking some questions, reading some scripture, going to God's Word, praying. And one day, we were meeting with her uh, in the old conference room of the church, which was in the small auditorium before we changed that into classrooms. And uh, Brooke and I were sitting there with her, and and I, we were talking about. Um, what it means to be a child of God. I was reading Romans chapter 8, which says we don't have a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption. And as I'm reading the scripture, like she started to have some kind of physical reaction to God's word. It was weird. Um, and, uh, and as I continued to read, um, it, it continued to to get weirder. Um, and And I began to pray and... Um, and as I prayed, it got even weirder. And, uh, and I prayed and, and I prayed and I didn't know this, but the rest of the church staff had kind of gathered around the conference room because it was real weird for them too. And we prayed and, and we sought the Lord and prayed for deliverance because uh, I had not experienced this before, but there was definitely some kind of spiritual demonic possession demonization I don't know again this is in a theology class but we were in it and I prayed my guts out and I sought the Lord and I said in Jesus name in Jesus name jesus I'm powerless but you are powerful and uh, and, and and there was deliverance and there was peace and there was uh, it was pretty incredible and and so then she sat with us at the table and I read the passage of scripture again and it was a different experience and Months later, I was able to baptize this young woman at our church, and we had, she was involved in our lives. Um, I, I tell you that to say, Brooke and I walked her out to her car after that experience. And once she got in her car and left, I looked at Brooke and said, I don't pray like that very often. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever prayed like that before. Because when you're facing spiritual darkness that's like right in your face, you pray a different way. (laughs) Maybe some of y'all have faced something like that before, I don't know. But it was a different kind of prayer. It was a desperation. It was a pleading, God, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I don't know what to do. But Jesus, I believe you're powerful and I'm praying in your name. And I poured out my heart to God as best I could. There's no formula. I didn't learn that at Baptist Bible College, by the way. <laughs> they told me that stuff doesn't happen anymore, but I don't know. It happened. <laughs> and that day, God just convicted my heart. So sometimes God uses crazy stuff for, for, for maybe we got to be a blessing to her and God did a cool thing in her life, but God also used her to teach me something. By the way, whatever dark thing you're walking through, God is using you in that to teach someone else something. God doesn't waste your pain. He doesn't waste your heartache. He doesn't waste your hurt. God will use you. He'll use your story to teach somebody else something. And God taught me something through that young lady that day. And I can just tell you that there have been seasons in my life where, where I pour out my heart in prayer and I go hard after God. And then there have been seasons where I'm not so much. Where I get lost in the middle of this apartment block and I'm looking around, kind of going, oh, goodness. <laughs> and I got to go backwards. And I got to remember all that God has done. And I have to remember... That God is powerful. And I have to remember those seasons where God built my faith and and revealed to me things that I didn't understand before. There's no secret knowledge. That's not what I'm talking about. It's experience to, to see God come through in a crazy way when you just say, God, I don't know what to do. He says, well, good. I'm glad you finally realized that. Let me show you what I'm gonna do. And as a church... We're not called to have the answers. We're not called to have the best game plan in town and the best strategy. We're just called to depend on God. And when we do, then we are in the exact position where he wants us to be. We just say, God, we don't know what we're doing. So you're gonna have to move. And I'm so thankful for seasons in my life where God showed me that I didn't know what I was doing. And in your life, you have to get to a place where you say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's when you get there that you can finally pray a prayer of faith and God will move. So let me read the rest of this story. So Jesus comes down from the mountain. The disciples are confused. They had been able to cast out spirits in times past, but for some reason it wasn't working now. And they were arguing with the Jewish religious leaders, and Jesus says, what's going on? And the dad says, I brought my son to you. You weren't here, the disciples said they could take care of it, but they can't. So Jesus replies to his disciples and to the crowd, you unbelieving generation. This is verse 19, Mark chapter nine, verse 19. He replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus said, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the father. From childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Just that rhetorical answer, if I can. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a corpse so that many said he's dead, but Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him and he stood up. And then it continues and the disciples later said, Jesus, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said, this kind can come out only by prayer. A couple of things and then I'll close. I love Jesus reaction to the father if I can. And maybe you wonder. Jesus, can you really do what you said? Can I really experience spiritual power? Can 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 a church really impact a community? Can you really use me to have a spiritual impact in the world. Can you really deliver me? Can you really restore me? Can you really save me? And Jesus says, if I can, (laughs) who are you talking to? Everything is possible for him who believes. And then here's the other thing that's important. That father, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And there's a lot of us in this room who are in this place this morning. We've heard stories about Jesus. We've heard stories about salvation. We've heard people talk about spiritual things, spiritual realities, but we're not there yet. And I just wanna ask you if that's you Maybe you're, uh, may, yeah, maybe there's a God. Maybe he's really involved in people's lives. But, but you just have never crossed the line of faith. You've never come to a place of surrender. I, I just want to encourage you to pray a prayer like this. Lord, I believe, or Lord, maybe you're there. Maybe you're real. Help my unbelief. Show me. Open my eyes. Move. Because God answers that prayer. And there's a chance you won't pray it. (laughs) Because even saying a prayer like that feels like a little too much of a commitment to you. But I can tell you that God will move. but it won't be the way you thought. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe you have some bad experiences. Maybe you have some hurt. Maybe you've seen people who call themselves Christians and you go, I'm not interested in that. And I don't know your story, but I'm probably not interested in that either. (laughs) I'm not interested in manufactured man-made religion, that stuff's powerless. But there is a God who spoke life into existence and he wasn't satisfied for humanity to be estranged from him. And so he made a way that we could be reconciled, that we could be redeemed, that we could be adopted. And that way was through Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, who made his dwelling among men. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And he came and he lived a perfect life and he died a sinless death. And because he was perfect and sinless, His death paid the penalty for my sin and your sin. If he was a sinner just like me and you, then his death would have been meaningless. But because he was sinless, he was perfect. He was the only one who was worthy to take the price, to pay the penalty, to make us right with God. So he died on a cross. He literally died. He really died a human death. He stopped breathing. He didn't faint, he didn't pass out. He wasn't a spirit that, he he was human flesh, human body. His heart stopped beating, his blood poured out. And in his humanity, he redeemed humanity. That's you and me. And when we put our faith in him, he saves us. Because not only did he die, he also raised back to life. And we have new life because of him, spiritual life because of him, if we'll turn to him and place our faith in him. It's what we celebrated in baptism this morning. I asked four questions. Do you know that you're a sinner? Everybody answered yes. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? They answered yes. Have you put your faith in him and his salvation? They said, yes. Do you wanna follow him with your life? That's what it is. And it's nothing that you do, it's a total dependence on Him for salvation. But then for the rest of us in this room who have come to that point of faith, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, we have to keep depending on Him just like we did for salvation. You didn't do anything to earn salvation. And in the same way, we need Him just as desperately for the rest of our life as we did at the moment of salvation. You never graduate, John says it all the time, you never graduate from the gospel. And prayer is that vehicle that God has given us, that tool that God has given us, that gift that God has given us that continually reminds us Lord, I am needy, but you are worthy. Lord, I can't do anything without you, but through you I can do all things. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Prayer and church. We got to be a praying church. Because just to get in here and gather, I, I mean, the songs were great today. I love singing them. I love participating in the body of Christ. But if all we do is come in here on Sundays and sing some songs and feel good and have a warm fuzzy moment, like there's more. There's more to what God has for us than that. And if you're satisfied with that, you're in the wrong church. We're praying for revival in this church, in our lives, in our city, in our community. And we really believe that God wants to use a local church to transform a neighborhood. And we're praying that God would do that. And there's some of y'all in here who have never come to a place of faith. And I'm praying for y'all that God would transform you. And and I'm not satisfied for y'all to just keep showing up. And so this morning, we're going to have just the time of response. We're going to sing, I will build my life, I think. And as we do, I I just want to ask you to respond. We're wrapping up our 21 days of prayer. We'll have a time of prayer and worship together tonight. I hope you'll be here. But today, I I just want to ask you to make a fresh commitment again to prayer, to dependence on God. That you would live your life in the context of prayer instead of praying in the context of living your life that you would be totally and wholly dependent on God to move that you would recognize that this kind anything that happens in your life only happens through prayer as a church prayer is not the only thing that we do but it's the first thing that we do pastor HB Charles a pastor in Jacksonville and and he has he has a little phrase that he says it happens after prayer So let's have a fresh commitment once again to prayer. Why don't you stand up with me? If you're in here this morning and you've never come to a place of faith in your life, today could be your day to pray a prayer like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I've been resisting, but today help me to surrender. God, we love you, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that your word is powerful to shape and to transform and to change us, to save us, to redeem us, to make us new. Lord, help us to depend on you. Not human wisdom, not our good works, but that we would be desperate for you. Lord, none of us wanna be desperate. (laughs) But you love desperate people. And you move on behalf of desperate people. So Lord, give us a holy desperation for you. Help us to be committed to prayer fresh and anew. And God, through that, move and do what only you can do in this church, in our lives, in this community. Lord, knock our socks off. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, I invite you to respond as God leads you.